Hi, I'm Tobias Zimmergren. Welcome to the Tech Talk Show. Throughout this podcast, you'll be able to listen to the latest happenings and updates from the community, along with interviews with industry experts talking about their favorite technologies. In this episode, I'm catching up with a good friend and Microsoft MVP, Michael Svensson. We're going to talk a bit about Michael's experiences with the Office 365 PMP provisioning engine and how they use that in a few real-world projects to help customers more easily request new sites in their organization. So let's check that out. Welcome, Mikkel, to another episode of the Rancor Tech Talks. And I had a chat with you at the MVP Summit, and we kind of said it would be a nice idea to record a podcast. So I guess here we are. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, I guess we also did a podcast, on, but the audio was crap. So yeah, just yeah. throw it on the boat. Let's do another one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. New one, re- recording in the common room yeah. where there's 200 people outside was not a good idea, but lessons yeah. learned, eh? Yeah, November is so last year. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about the PMP provisioning engine. And for anyone listening, the PMP is the Office 365 Patterns and Practices. What can you tell me about, obviously, what PMP is for anyone who hasn't heard of that before, but also what is the provision engine specifically inside of the PMP? Sure. So um, Office PMP is a lot of... I guess packed up functionality, which allows you to work uh, specifically with SharePoint artifacts, makes it easier to do a lot of the tasks using the client-side object model that's sort of behind the scenes. So they're creating a lot of helper wrapper functions to make it easier for developers to get up and running. Okay. And then is there's it so- only the, the CSUM? Is it only client-side object model? Or is no, it- they're, all, they're also doing stuff with the Microsoft Graph, so there's uh, code for there, and it's just expanding. And also JavaScript, so there's more projects coming. It seems like almost every week the patterns practices is opening up. And uh, I think they also added SharePoint Framework functionality in there, so there's nice. more and more stuff just coming into the PNP. I mean, it's pattern and practices working in Office 365, so whatever goes under there will probably go into that GitHub project, I guess. Right. Why is it important for the provisioning engine to exist? What What does it help me with if I'm a customer or if I'm if I work with some kind of Office 365 or SharePoint development. Right. So if you look at the provisioning engine in specifics, uh, back in the old days, people ha- have probably saved a site as a template. I mean, you can conf- you configure up a oh, site yeah. with different libraries, different columns, and you want to use oh, that as a template. I'm getting right. goosebumps now, man. Yes. <laughs> and we don't want to do that anymore. So basically what the provisioning engine does is it creates, or you can create a recipe. Uh, right now, the schema is an XML where you sort of put in all, all the columns, all the lists, all the libraries, all the custom actions, whatever branding, anything you need on the site. And I will basically, so you create a team site, and then you just play back this recipe and then make the site look like you want. So instead of having a site definition, you just apply it. I mean, you create a list, you add the columns, you create the views, et cetera. So it's basically a, like a play playback engine on everything you want to configure. And then you can... Right, so, so you're not stuck with the old owner.xml afterwards. Yes, So, but you can still configure a site manually and then you can extract that as a PMP template and then you, so you could use that. And you can use it just by default or you can start to, to modify it if you want. And the PMP product also published something called the PMP Partner Pack, which sort of encapsulates all this in the portal. But then you need to store your templates in Azure, there's some certificates you need to set up. So 
to me, that was a little too complicated or too much hassle to set up. So I've actually done two projects recently, and they're both uh, going to an end. And I decided, well, let's create a simple provisioning script, uh, just having a list where you order up your site, and then have a have an Azure web job, pull that list for modified entries, and then create the sites and do all the logic. And that right. also makes it easier for the customer to actually modify the scripts because IT pros love PowerShell. <laughs> yeah. yeah, tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's sort of what sparked the provisioning part on my end. And then right when I started, so in the dev branch of the provisioning engine, they started creating something called dot PNP packages. That means instead of having an XML a lot of XML files and all your solid artifacts, which could be CSS and JS files or images, just in the folder structure, they pack all that into a dot PNP file, which is basically a zip file. Okay, And that suited uh, my project perfectly. So what we do now, we create team site templates, and then we just stuff them in a SharePoint library. And we also create smaller modules. So you can have a, a main module for a site, and then you can have a small module. could be like external documents or a context list. So it's just a concept of how you tie this together. And then it's very easy for people to add new functionality through the ordering list instead of on the site directly. Right. So the so the user flow is after you created this kind of template using the provisioning engine, you put it inside of SharePoint or available through SharePoint. Yes. You give them some kind of UI through a list in this example, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So what we just request. Yeah, yeah. So we just kept it real simple. So we have a um, project directory site, which basically have a couple of lists. So you have a list where you order your site. That means you fill in, fill in the title, which template you want to use, uh, possibly some metadata. I think we have site owner, and you can also specify who should be in the site owners and members and visitors list, a business yep. criticality. Uh, we have some metadata as well. Uh, it's different in both projects. Uh, and then there's a list with the actual template and also the smaller modules. And then it's all just, just linked up with lookup lists. It's all created in SharePoint. So... Uh, so we could actually save the project directly as a PMP template uh, as well. So it could be like meta meta. <laughs> so you could <laughs> you could provision new ordering sites as well if you wanted. <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I guess it depends on how far you want to take that. <laughs> yeah, and the fun part with doing all this well, is uh, since I'm I love to program. I've been coding for years, but less and less. And since I decided to to do this in PowerShell, uh, there were some missing commandlets in the PMP PowerShell. Right. So then I had to do pull requests. So I could. So I actually done a fair bit of coding in order not to code. Right. Yeah. So it's it's meta programming. You're you're yeah, programming so yeah. in order to not program. Yeah. yeah. I think I've had like twelve or fifteen pull requests only in January to either add new commandlets or add some form of missing functionality in the right. core in the core project to to get this up and running. So this actually benefits everyone. Okay, mm -hmm. so so the work you've done with the PMP provisioning engine in your own project is now going to benefit the community when you publish that. Then, yeah. So I think I only have two pull requests, which is now in well, haven't been merged yet. So I think everything should be in the dev branch. So that means it will make it to the release branch for next or next month or the next or the month after. Yeah, so nice. that's pretty cool. So and I guess this is a common thing with the PMP engine and the provisioning engine itself, but also the entire PMP project that. People use it in their real projects, then they figure things out or they improve stuff, and then they just put in a pull request back to the repository so yeah. everyone using it can benefit, right? Yeah. And I think one of the main contributions I've done, which might not benefit the, the US market as much, but uh, more in Europe where we have a different locale. So that means the sites are created for one customer, have to be in English, Norwegian, Swedish, and Danish. 
about that one. <laughs> yeah, and there's in the client side object model uh, there uh, you have locale support for tile and description for lists and different artifacts, but not everything. So I think I've done for like web part title, view title, just added. Yeah, support for all the missing parts, which you don't have in CSOM, because it's right. still doable to do that. So let's imagine from a customer perspective, you have done improvements to the GitHub project and you're using this now with your customers or whatever. And as an end user, you don't know if it's a provisioning engine from PMP, you don't know if it's SharePoint built in, whatever. It doesn't really matter. The no. experience is I should be able to request or create a site easily. Yeah. If you use this with the provisioning engine and, and you have this request list that you talk about, do you have an approval flow or how do you approve requests and, and make sure that you know the flow for the user right. keeps going? For the Wonder customers, they don't have approval at all. So that means you just request it and then we will just provision it. But we do check that if you're not a manager, then the site in, in, the, in the directory will be marked as not compliant. So we'll still okay. create the site, but we'll send an email saying, well, you haven't actually done the site owner training, so your site right. is not compliant, so you should do that training. Yeah, for the other site, we decided to, to use Flow, because Flow has a, has a nice approval email where you basically do like approve or decline. So right. that, can you just, what is Flow for anyone listening who's yeah. not? Seen it. Right. So Microsoft Flow is uh, a new workflow engine, which is building on uh, Logic Apps or Logic, Logic Flow in Azure. Yeah. So it's using the Azure workflow engine. So that will probably take over as the workflow engine in SharePoint Online instead of using the old SharePoint 2010 or, or 2013 workflows. And oh my yeah, God, finally. Yeah, and it's also heavily being used within Power Apps. That means if you want to do some data processing in a Power App, that means not just retrieve or store data, you have to kick off a flow in order to do that. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still missing some functionality, giving some errors here and there. So the funny part is the approval workflow actually says that it has an error when it runs, but it still works. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, you, you're probably familiar with the old, you have too many lookup columns on your list message. Yeah. We get that message, but it still works. <laughs> yeah. So what happens then is you request a site, and then by default, it will set the state of a one. And then when the provisioning uh, engine runs, which is this PowerShell script, which runs as a triggered uh, web job in Azure, you'll say, well, the status is one, then, okay, let's kick off a flow. And it passes the parameter of a site. And then everyone who should have the email, and then either approve or decline. So if they approve, the flow sets a state to two, and then you will get a new modified date on the the request entry in the list, which will be picked up on the next triggered run of the provisioning engine. And then it will provision the site and send an email to everyone, well, your site is ready, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. it's all, all very simple. So I'm trying to keep it as simple as possible architectural. Yeah. Well, I mean, less is more oftentimes, right? So, yes. But I, I like that idea of that you mentioned, if even if everyone can create new sites, they will be flagged as uncompliant or non-compliant. Yeah. Uh, essentially, you haven't attended the trainings. You are not allowed to go live with the site right. because all of that boils down to governance of yes. your yeah. internet or whatever kind of application you're yeah. running. Yeah. So this PowerShell script is actually called Mr. Provision, <laughs> and, and then and then we have another script called Mr. Governance, which runs okay. on uh, on daily, weekly, and monthly schedules. Oh, nice. Yeah, which checks if if the site has been uh, if it's confidential, then we will turn on IRM and all the document libraries. Uh, we will check that. Who's ever in the access request list matched matches whoever's in the 
in the site director, etc. So we have some checking if people change stuff, and then we'll change it back if you if you do stuff where you're you're not supposed to, right? Right. So one thing that I'm kind of thinking about is you can provision SharePoint sites, and that's one of the big things with the provisioning engine. Can you provision other things as well using it? You mentioned something with the graph and, and other things might yeah. be coming. So, so I guess the provisioning engine itself in the PMP product is basically taking the template and then applying it to an existing site. So you, yeah. you still have to create the site uh, outside of the actual provisioning engine. Right. Uh, so right now we're, so we're creating team sites using the, the, the commander called uh, new PMP tenant site. But you could, in theory, I mean, if, if you create a group, you could apply the same, the same templates to a group. But what's missing right now, there, there's no webhook saying when a new group has been created. But we could not, it wouldn't be too hard to say, okay, if in the ordering list, you could say, do you want a group site or, or just a team or right. a team site? And then we could provision a group instead. And then you would just have to pause and then poll to make sure that the team site is ready before you apply the template. Yeah. So I don't see too much program or adding to the script actually support doing both. Right. Mm. Otherwise, you could have your Mr. Groups checker PowerShell script, right? You could do that, right? <laughs> I mean, you could have, you could have two content types, I guess, on the list, or you, you, just, you just pull in the items you want, depending on, yeah. the, on the template. Yeah, nice. To sum the uh, you know, provisioning engine up, the benefits is compared to how you did previously in SharePoint, you get the ONET XML file and you got you know all that madness of hard-coded references and, and stuff like that. Now you just create a site first, which is not related actually to the provisioning, but mm. you create the site and whatever site you create, you can apply a template on top of it, yes. which is essentially running through the schema or like a right. receipt add that list, add that content type, whatever. Yeah. But then that's not tied to the template. So you don't have to save the template file lying around, right? Yeah, correct. And then we also added, since we do add some metadata when you request a site, we actually create, we add those columns automatically to all document libraries on the site and then set the default values to whatever you had in the site directory. So we, we don't show the columns, but that means you, you can, in theory, create search-based experiences where you roll up documents created to a certain project without you actually knowing that it's project A or B because I was tagged in the original site. So, so you, okay. yeah, so we're just using the automatic metadata and folders uh, on all those libraries without the user even knowing about it. Sort of right. easy auto tagging. Yeah, cool. I know one thing that is a popular request in, in relation to this, which you kind of brushed on in the beginning, which is imagine a user is provisioning a new site and they are applying this template and it's awesome but they figure out I'm going to need additional three lists and five content types. And they make some changes to the, the site they just created. And then they say, I want this to be the new template. Can right. they kind of save this site as a template like you did previously in SharePoint then? Yeah, so we don't support that in, in the framework we created. But if you install the partner pack, they actually allow you to point to a site and save that as a template. Okay. But in my experience, I mean, if you take a site, you probably want to clean up the template somehow anyways. So what we've decided on for these projects since, I mean, the end users are usually not that technical. So we do some some learning uh, on the resources who ma who manage the site requests on IT. So they could, I mean, so if someone wants an image library, they would just, okay, create a new site, and then uh, instance up a new image library there, and then the, they would create a template from um, from that library and just keep the image library and save that as a PMP package. Just clean up the XML. And if yeah. you use this partner package that you mentioned, mm -hmm. 
that is something you you don't run that separately. That's something you have to deploy to your tenant. Yeah. So yeah. Them. So the partner pack runs as a separate website, ASP.NET website, MVC website. So you need to have that running on some web server somewhere. And right, that, so and is that, it like a provider hosted app or no? It's a, it's just a separate app, and then you do, you, you just set up uh, the certificates where it can talk to uh, to SharePoint to do to do uh, the stuff it has to do. So we're using app tokens in our solution, yeah, yeah, which works just fine. So that's why we decided not to go with the partner pack. So we just keep everything in SharePoint except that one Azure Web or those two Azure Web jobs, which does the provisioning and the governance. Okay. So, yeah, so, so try to do it a little bit simpler than the partner pack. Right. So I, I imagine if you're a, a big enterprise client and you have super strict governance and all that, maybe it's beneficial to use the partner pack. But yeah. if, if you have smaller, you know, less is more again, if you want something done with elegance and, and simple measures, yeah. then this sounds like a perfect fit. Yeah. And I guess the beauty with this, I mean, we have the order list, but it doesn't mean that you have to use a list directly with a list new form to order. So, I mean, you could create whatever app anywhere to have yeah. more business logic in the actual form to have a more beautiful form if you want, which will then just save the data into that list, which will be picked up. So, you don't have to expose the list if you don't want to. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You could make a SharePoint framework web part or whatever as a request yeah. yes. forum if you want. So. Yeah, that wouldn't be a problem at all. So we just try to keep it as simple as possible, out of the box, just SharePoint, 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 easy configuration all the way. Yeah, I like the idea behind that because there's, by experience with SharePoint developers and myself being one of them in the past, focusing a lot on, on the development aspect of SharePoint, we kind of miss out on the fact that there's a lot you can do actually out of the box. and the less you customize, the more secure or the more stable the environment yeah. will be. When and, it runs. and I think when I when we're done doing this, I mean, so I sent over to the to the IT guy at both customers actually. So I just sent them the template for the site catalog and then all the different pre-made modules we had in the scripts. So I think they, it took them like one hour to first provision the site and then set up the Azure web job and have everything up and running. You know, probably an hour or less. So I mean, it's easy stuff. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I totally love the fact, I brushed on that before as well, but I totally love the fact that when you have provisioned a site, it's not tied to that specific template and you're not tied to the old ONET files or things no. like that. If you remove the template, the site fails to work or load. Mm-hmm. Everything just works because it's not hardly coupled to any right. kind of template. Yeah. Yeah. So what we do is when we apply the template, we sort of just stamp in the property bag whatever .pmp files we have provisioned to the site so it won't provision new ones. But that means if yeah. you create a version 2 of your template and you want to apply that to all sites, well, okay, you just save a new file called teamsite-version2.pmp and then you could just uh, do a quick edit on the list and then just change that for all the items and save it. And then they would be picked up again and they would just reapply whatever new template, which I don't already already have. So, Right. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Is there anything else? I think I'm all out of ideas for the provisioning engine. Yeah. That's as far as my knowledge goes. Yeah. But, uh, so I'm finishing up these two projects. So the goal is to just take the core parts of this and then uh, the plan is to publish that as a PMP sample. So that means nice. anyone could just take this and rework it to their need as an alternative to using the partner pack if you, if you need provisioning. Yeah. yeah. Super. All right, that's that's pretty cool. I'm gonna keep my eye out on on that. And will you announce something in your blog, or where where can we see this stuff when it goes live? Most likely, I mean, I will definitely publish it on my blog when I when I'm done doing this. It's a matter right. of organizing all the different tasks I have to do just to, to have yeah. time to do it. 
time management. <laughs> yeah, so, um, uh, so maybe if I, I have time next week, so I'm attending a hackathon next week, so maybe I'll have time to just finish it up and polish it. And I can use it, as, right. I can use it as part of the hackathon entry as well. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And, and that's the, the one in Oslo, isn't it? Yeah, that's the one in Oslo, the Arctic Sherpa Challenge. Yeah, yeah, nice. We need to have a chat about that in one episode as well, yeah. because that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So we'll, we'll see how, how that goes. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Well, I don't have any additional questions for for you about the PMP. So do you have anything else you want to tell us about the PMP? Or no, the PMP? Uh, just... I mean, if you do something, I mean, PowerShell is cool. If you're missing what you, you need in PowerShell, do a pull request. The PMP project is more than happy to uh, assess and accept good pull requests. Yeah. So the baseline is, if you want to improve or change something, don't be afraid to do so. Yes. Cool. Yeah, don't, don't keep the code to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, I guess most of the code I've been doing here and committing is actually being paid for by these two customers, right? So it's actually the customers paying me to contribute to the, um, to the community, and they're super happy yeah. about doing it. Yeah, I mean, in the end, it benefits them as well because other people are contributing the same way. Right, so. because all the existing stuff there, uh, someone else has been paying for it, which we, yeah, which exactly. we use. So. Makes a lot of sense. Super cool, yeah. All right. Man, thank you for coming out to the show, and I hope to invite you to another show talking about the uh, hackathon there, the Arctic SharePoint Challenge. Sure. Yeah. All right, cool. See you next time. Yeah, see you next time. Bye. Thanks for having me. That concludes yet another episode of Rancor Tech Talks. Thank you, Michael, for your time, and thanks to everyone who tuned in to listen. Find out more about Michael and his experiences by checking out the links in the show notes. 